1: At luckylandslots.com.
2: Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW group void or prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. And now for something completely different. <music> Hello and welcome to episode 16 of this season's Real Football Cast. And once again, it's time to do something completely different. With it being the international break, it's time to revert to our tried and tested format of Kicked in the Bin. And that means two more guests will have the opportunity to serve up their biggest pet hates in football. Now, joining me this week are not one but two members of the excellent Half and Half Scarf podcast. And first up, I'm joined by Colin. Colin, it's a pleasure to have you on the show tonight. I hope all is well.
1: Hello Dan, cheers for having us on.
2: Not a problem. And I'm also joined by Kieran. And I hope you are also ready to share some of your footballing pet hates this evening.
0: I'm ready, Dan. And thanks for the invite.
2: Not a problem. So before we do all that, I'll do the social media bits first. If you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at DanTracy1983. And also the podcast has its own account, which is at Pods. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast, And if you use that platform, Don't forget to leave a review, and you can also find me on SoundCloud and Acast. Well, the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. As you should know by now, the Real Football Cast is sponsored by Loserpool. And what is Loserpool, I hear you ask? It's the company behind the game, Last Man Standing. One which is free to enter, and the prize pool stands at £1,000. If this has grabbed your interest, be sure to visit loserpool.com and create an account. The odds of winning are great, but they're even better if you sign up. Right then, it's time to go live. And Colin, quite simply... What is the first thing that you would like to see kicked in the bin? All
1: right, so I've tried to go not too obvious with these selections, like have VAR or half and half scars, because I think that's what they're universally a bit disliked. So my first selection is Michael Owen. What's the point of Michael Owen?
2: (laughs) We're getting off to a good start. I like the... you've sort of gone left field... And, um, yes, what is the point of my clone? But if you could sort of just reinforce your case as to why you'd like to see my clone in the bin, the floor is yours.
1: Yeah, look, yes, he was an explosive player for a, for a short time. But let's be honest, he's nicked a living ever since. He's the worst pundit to ever pick up a microphone, in my opinion. It's terrible. But here's some actual, like, punditry quotes from Owen, yeah? Whatever team scores more goals usually wins.
2: Foot- you know. He <laughs> <laughs> <You> said that.
1: <laughs> right, Foot- footballers these days often have to use their feet. Like, like, what is the point? Like me, you, Kieran, anyone else that watches football could do, you know, they could do a better job than him. But because he's Michael Owen, he gets he gets the gig, doesn't he? And like, look, he's um, like, well, he's so arrogant. He decided it's a good idea to write a book. Slag off Newcastle, the club that put that put him on ridiculous wages and he just sat on his ass. The man's a joke. The man needs to go in the bin.
2: Right, OK. Kieran, anything to add to that? Do you agree? Have you got a counterpoint?
1: Well,
0: look, Mike Warrion, as Godly said, he was explosive when he came onto the scene. That great goal against Argentina, the hat-trick against Germany. Um, fantastic for Liverpool in the early days. But, yeah, he's an awful commentator and he may as well have Left the planet as soon as his hamstrings went for the first time.
2: Right. Okay. So you've made the case, and I think you're absolutely right in the sense that he's stealing a living. I think not only that, but the fact you've actually done your research and come out with me with some sound bites, I think is good. I think we like that kind of um, background work that you've done, the due diligence, shall we say. So I've got no argument against that. And Colin, you're off to a perfect start because Michael Owen is getting kicked in the bin. So, you're one from one. Get in. Excellent. So, Kieran, what have you got for me as your first pick that you would like to see kicked in the bin?
0: Right. My first pick is top knots. You know, the hair. The hairstyle. Top knots. Yep, got you up. Now, I, I think when you see this, it's a real childish haircut. And it's a sign of a very weak individual. I think they're pathetic. I think if I, if I was an opposition coach before a game and I saw someone warming up on the opposition... With a top knot, I'd indicate to my team: look, this person's a weak individual. Go through them, I target target that person. I just think they're they're awful. I really do. And I think when referees before the game checks the players' studs and checks them for jewelry, they should check them for top knots as well. They should not be allowed, in my opinion. <laughs> and when and when it when it comes to top knots, a few players recently who have had top knots: Alberto Moreno. Uh, Lucas Carrios, Marco Arnautovic. This is what I'm saying about weak individuals.
2: Yes, I think it's a, a good point you make, actually. There's almost an inverse of quality, like the sort of a top-knot means a not-so-good player. I think, like, remember Danny Osvaldo, that Southampton sort of renegade striker that played for a few oh, months? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he had a top-knot and he was useless. So, um, yep. I'm warm to the idea. Colin, can you help push this one over the line?
1: Is this more to do with um, that time you tried to have one, Kieran, and it didn't work? You couldn't, you couldn't pull off the top knot.
0: I've never tried to have a top knot. If I,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: if I ever had a top knot, I'd expect someone to push me off a bridge.
2: Wow, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, that's true So, if you ever but see nah, Kieran with
1: a top knot, <laughs> yeah, def- definitely do that. I'll do it. Um, yeah, I can't really argue with it. It's a weird haircut, isn't it? A top knot. It's like. You could have a ponytail, couldn't you? But you've chosen to have the top knot because, what, you think the ponytail looks more ridiculous? And I think Kira's right, and yourself, when you said, Dan, most of the players that have run around with them, they haven't been much cop, have they?
2: No. And Chris think, Smalling had one last season. Yes, that's exactly. And it's like, <laughs> it's if, if, yeah. if Chris Smalling's got one, I think we're doomed. I think footballers, they don't need that. And I think if you're an opposition manager, like you say, you're, you're asking your hatchet man to give him a, Reducer, two minutes in you know set your stall out we'll have none of that hair based nonsense and I think we'll have none of that hair based nonsense on this show so top knots for footballers and I think in general are being kicked in the bin so Kieran's off to a flyer also we're 100% for both of you Colin can the run continue what's your second pick that you would like to see kicked in the bin
1: pre-match light shows (laughs) now it's not a U2 concert it's a football match now this could be contained to Chelsea, right? Because I'm I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm a season ticket holder at Chelsea. I don't go to many away games. I'd be surprised nowadays if it's only Chelsea. I mean, you're a Spurs fan, Dan, aren't you? Do they do, they do anything similar with with evening games?
2: Uh, Champions League nights, they do. We had a big sort of light show with its opening. So, you know, I guess under certain circumstances...
1: Yeah, I can get that. with With an opening, I can understand that. But, um, but but just just for a general game,
2: right? Okay, Kieran, what's your take on that? Anything to add?
0: Yeah, I don't like I don't like light shows either. I've seen it at Chelsea, I've seen it at the um, Etihad for City games, and I've seen it at the Emirates for Arsenal games as well. I uh, I just don't think we need it.
1: Yeah, like like, what's the point of it? Because, um, like, do the crowd need that to like? Be up for the game. I mean, half of them have been in the pub for three hours. They're buzzing for it. I keep, every time, and they do it in the evening games at Chelsea, every evening game. Like, I keep expecting Madonna to pop up in the centre circle and start singing Vogue <laughs> or something. Like, the lights go down and you get this rumbling noise, and then, then it all, you know, the strobes come off. I, just, I don't, I think it's a terrible thing to be doing with football because it's ushering in that kind of spectacle rather than a game. This is a spectacle, not not just a isolated match of football, you know.
2: OK, I'll take the uh, comments on board. I'll play sort of devil's advocate here. Are we almost sort of through the looking glass where football is now entertainment and, unfortunately, you know, we are where we are with this. Like, we can't really sort of go back to not have light shows. I mean, I think I'm sort of edging quite near to putting this one in the bin, but you're just going to have to convince me that a little bit more because I think sort of circumstances with big clubs... Um, Stadium openings removed, I think that's a bit of a necessity. You know, why not? You know, let's push the boat out. But if it's like Chelsea versus Lille in the Champions League, like, do you really need that as well as the booming Champions League anthem, Colin?
1: Well, absolutely not. That's my point. I mean, you, to take it one step further. Let's say it's an FA Cup replay on a Wednesday night against Rotherham. But yeah. still, the lights go down. Ba-boom, ba-boom. Like, come on. Come on, we come source a game of football.
2: Yeah, I think we don't need that. I think, like you say, it's almost becoming like a U2 concert, isn't it? And we don't really need that at any point in our lives. So I think for that reason, just about, I think this one's clipped the post. It's gone to goal line technology, but it's it's gone in the bin. So, Colin, you've done, you just edged that one over the line. Well done. Two for two there. So an excellent start to proceedings. Kieran, what have you got for me as your second pick?
0: Right, my second one is... Ralph Hassenhutel, the Southampton manager. <laughs> okay. I've, I've been telling people for eight or nine months, this guy's a fraud. He he cannot run a football team. Um, I think the Premier League is the best brand in the world and we should only have the best managers in the world as well. And this guy should be a personal trainer for Fitness First or something like that. Telling somebody to run and, uh, <laughs> as I call it, impose the fake Hassan Hootle press. That is not good for There it goes. The I, was,
1: I was waiting for that, the fake we, press, I was waiting.
0: <laughs> yeah, we deserve the best in the Premier League and, I mean, Ralph Hassan Hootle is far from the best and I think he should be put in the bin. Southampton soon will be putting him in the bin, by the way.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you listen to this one over the other side of the weekend, it might be that Southampton have done the dirty already. So, Kieran, is there a case to be made here, or actually a case against him, that if his name was Rolf Holness and he lived in Bristol, is it because he's just foreign and a bit more fashionable that he's got a job in the Premier League?
0: Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. He's got a foreign name and, um, you know, he's come to Southampton. They happen to have a couple of um, fake footballers, I call them, like Shane Long, uh, Redmond, just basically people who can run fast. And he says, when someone's playing out from the back, charge towards them and it looks like you're playing pressing football Uh, like Liverpool do for example and you know then people won't mind if you lose because they'll say oh you put a bit of effort in but it just doesn't work and it's not fooling me Hasan. Hootle
2: Could you have made the same argument for Marco Silva like if you'd have come at me and said I want to throw Marco Silva in the bin would that same apply you know is he just another fashionable foreign manager who seems to be getting jobs above others I mean I'm not trying to be like xenophobic. Yeah,
0: No 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 absolutely and Colin will tell you that for even longer than Hassan, who I've been going on about, Marco Silva. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. yeah. Same, we call same, him, we call it, we call Marco Silva the fraud the on
0: fraud. our podcast. Yeah, and I think but,
2: you're absolutely oh,
0: right. Honestly, honestly, and if you look at them on the sidelines, both of these managers quite often in their technical area, they're crouching down, you know, on their harnesses, and um, you know that's a sign of weakness. These people shouldn't be in the Premier League. We want the Klops, the Mourinho's, uh, the Guardiolas. We want
2: the very best.
1: What is it you call Pochettino, the pound, um, pochettino, silver, the pound shot Pochettino, innit?
2: That's the one. All the nicknames coming out tonight. But yeah, I fully agree. I mean, would you take, you know, some of the best and more English managers or do you purely want the best? And if that means not having Haas Hooter or silver, then so be it. You know, does there need to be some sort of balance? You know, obviously you've got Sean Dyche, Eddie Howe, an 85-year-old Roy Hodgson, but do you know what I mean? Like, where, where do you draw the line? Like, do you need some pipeline of English managers? Because at some point, you'd like to think, well, well, you know, one of them will have to take the English job at some point, but then you look past Gareth Southgate and you think, well, who? Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: well, it, it's exactly that. And I get frustrated a lot of the time when I hear people rowing about grassroots money and, um, you know, English players and that. And I say the more foreigners in the league, the better, because that's where the. That's where the class comes from. That's where the skill comes from, you know. The Premier League would be nothing without all these uh, foreign players. We'd basically be a glorified SPL.
2: Right, Okay. So, I'll take in on the the evidence and I think, yeah, I think they'll go in the bin. You know, I think, A, because they're sort of stealing a living and especially Marco Silva, his career trajectory seems to go upwards even though he keeps failing. Hull, Watford, Everton. You think, well, how on earth does he keep getting jobs? And I think, you know just also from a point of view that it would be good to see a few more english managers get a chance and if it means the likes of Harson hoot and silver don't get a chance then i think english football as a whole will then benefit and of course you're right Kieran, in the sense that you need quality to to balance that out so i think you know we can do without the the low budget foreigners if it means improving the game as a whole so i like that one yes let's say Harson and silver as a pair are both going in the bin so you've got a two for one there well done right and
0: so- i should just say Sorry, can I just say as well on, on, on the thing of young English managers? H- thankfully, we'll have Scott Parker back managing in the Premier League next season. So
1: no, no. he won't survive. He won't last the season, mate. He's, he doesn't know what he's doing.
2: Exactly. He'd be better off finishing seventh and staying at Fulham because once you go up, you, you're done. Then really, aren't you? So, but that's the cutthroat nature of the Premier League. Right then, this show's also cutthroat. So, Colin, what have you got for me as your third pick?
1: In the no Twitter accounts. But we have enough nonsense with Sky Sports and all their sources, let alone dealing with um, Barry from Dagenham (laughs) linking Messi with Man City or something, sitting in his bedroom just making stuff up. Like, we can all do that. Sky Sports do it all the time. Every transfer window, we see this rubbish retweeted across Twitter, and it gets taken seriously, and it does my brain in. It's absolute
2: rubbish. Okay, Kieran, anything to add to that one?
0: No, I pretty much agree with that one.
2: Yeah, do you know what? I agree as well, to be honest. I mean, like I say, the Sky Sports rumor mill, we're we'll getting to that kind of year, the, um, sorry, that time of year, where the January transfer window is just about to prise itself open. And already people have got twitchy fingers, haven't they? You know, so-and-so has been linked according to the Daily Mail and all this. And you think you don't need it. There's so much noise that it's almost the downside of Twitter. Like, Twitter is a great tool from a sort of social aspect. And when you actually want to see like real football conversation and, you know, bits of informed knowledge and sort of choices and decisions all that kind of stuff it's great but like you say this is the flip side the dross that you have to put up with all year round where like you say it's just some bloke in his bedroom just banging out transfer rumors and it's just a constant cycle and that also is quite dangerous where it creates rumor counter rumor and you can argue it creates talking points but then it also can create sort of negative spirals around clubs where it adds to more pressure and so on and so forth and i just think you know, you look at Sky Sports and the BBC, they're bad enough from their sort of influence and the way they try and drive rumours. And when you've got people who've got actual no insight into clubs at all, it only sort of makes the situation even more murky. So I think you could do without them, you could almost do without 24 Hour Sky Sports. But again, the genie's out of the bottle in that yeah. aspect. But I like what you're saying for in the nose, they need to go. So in the no or in the bin. So it's three from three. So.
1: Get in a bin.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I think I need a klaxon or something post-edit. But anyway, Kieran, what have you got for me, mate? Third up.
0: Right, I've got stewards. We should get with the stewards. Week after week, I go to football matches and stewards wind me up. They really drive me crazy. And it's not because I go or want any trouble or anything like that. They stand in front of you. If you stand up at away games because people stand up in front of you, they'll come and tell you to sit down. I went to Birmingham City away last week. We got uh, official club coaches. We got there two hours before kickoff. As soon as we get off for coach, um I've got like some spotty like nineteen, twenty year old in a Hy-Vis wanting me to put my arms out and rub me down and all this kind of stuff. Two young children with me pissing down, freezing cold. I make them take their um, hoods down, lift their hats up as if they're going to be carrying some kind of spud gun or something. Honestly, I think it is shocking. I think clubs should self-police. They should maybe hire 100 fans, for example, 25 in each stand. You get in for free. Um, you know, there's a leader who has a walkie-talkie and any trouble. You know, they go and deal with it themselves, and it will save the club a fortune as well. Get rid of stewards.
1: A leader with a walkie talkie. Oh, wow.
0: wow. You know, <laughs> you, you know I, 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 I went to Wembley the other week, and um, on the boards and the advertisements and that during the game, um, there's a number you call, uh, sorry, text. If anyone's causing any problem in the stadium, you just text the row number and the seat. So, obviously, rather than confronting them, and then someone comes and deals with them. That's what you need to do. Text the club, they'll get on the walkie-talkie to the head man and it'll organise four or five of the boys, go up, get the personnel. No problem.
2: It's an interesting concept. Colin, could you see fans self-policing themselves at Stanford Bridge?
1: Absolutely not. That's a, that's a, that's a mental idea. That would go wrong in seconds. In seconds, but look, come on, who who who,
0: who is scared of these um, stewards? Honestly, you go to a steward now, look, they're all fat, right? And that's not having a dig because I'm a fat bastard. Um, they're, they're all young; they're not scared. It's like it's like in prisons now, like it's kicking off in prisons all the time. You ask prisoners, and they'll say it's because back in the day, a screw would be sort of six foot four, you know. Eight. It'd be on the weights and all that, but now it's just kids. It's just agencies and subcontractors just hiring whoever with a piece of paper and letting them in. Honestly, it's a joke. Get rid of stewards.
2: Right. Yeah, but
1: they're not. They're not necessarily there to like um, be rough, buyers, rough up, are right? they? Or Like, <laughs> like I get your point. Like, if someone wants to cause trouble, then they're yeah, they're probably not going to be a deterrent. But I don't know if that's what they're there for. Yeah, Weird. Um, it's an interesting they're not, bouncer, they're not bouncers, are they? No, they're not sensing, this is it. Um, you know, they might as well go down the East End and grab a few old straight
0: um, mates. <laughs> for, for me, the only part a steward should play at a football match is when you walk up the stairwell at an away game, show me your ticket, and they point out which side of the stairwell you see. It's, that's all they should be doing. They shouldn't be allowed to get involved in anything else.
2: Well, for that reason, we need them. If we scrap stewards, there will be anarchy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think there'd be pitch invasions every ten minutes. Like, I know they don't have much purpose, but they are some sort of ring of steel, figuratively speaking. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you didn't have them, no one would know what they're doing in the ground. You wouldn't know where to sit. Someone's sitting in my seat, or mate, what you doing? Like, there'd be there would be more fisticuffs than you'd imagine. And I know they don't serve a great purpose. And you're right; it's like some seventeen-year-old who he don't care. He's on minimum wage. And he's just happy to be out there the for a bit, you know, and they don't care. You know, I've been, when Spurs were playing at Wembley, we had so many away fans dotted around in the home section, if you can call it that. They just didn't, couldn't care, just, like, I'll sit where you want, And it's just like, that was frustrating in itself. But I do feel that we need some semblance of patrolling within the game. Not like, as Colin says, we're not going to rough people up, but I think without them, it would be a little bit too... Um, bonkers it's a forward-thinking idea i see where you're coming from but i can't let that one in the bin so unfortunately that one's bounced off the post and bounced back out so you're two from three kieran oh
0: okay
2: okay hey Right. right colin you're in front but what have you got for me for pick four
1: the expected goal stat what a useless stat now look i'm not much of a stat man i know you you like your stats dan but hear me out on this I like a solid stat, a useful stat. That's fine with me. This stat is pure bu- it's pure bullshit. We all watched the game. We know how many chances were created. We know how many goals were scored. We saw it. This stat is like watching a film and then somebody tells you what happened in the film. I know. I watched it.
2: Right, it's good. Yeah. Kieran, what's your uh, but- take on this? Well, I quite like it. And, for, you know,
0: as a, as a gambler, I like to look at all the stats and I consider all this stuff afterwards. And I know there's obviously a lot of companies and betting firms and that who, who use these to come up with different prices and odds.
2: Right. As Colin referenced, I am quite a stat man. It's sort of my background and um, I do like stats. However... I don't like expected goals because as you say Colin it's too subjective. You want hard and fast stats like what are you actually gaining from the fact that Bournemouth should have scored 0.76 goals. Like really you want fundamentally okay they scored one goal, you know like it's just it's a stat for stat's sake and it's you know it's creating yeah. it's creating these talking points that aren't really talking points then and that it also sort of feeds a, a narrative into how a team sort of playing that isn't really there. Like you look at Manchester United and one's going oh well compared to their xg they're doing much better. Yes, but how they're actually doing on the pitch, like, ignore what they should be doing. Let's look at their shot conversions. You know, you can look at that for example. It's just, it's too much for stats. And I think you know, there's nothing wrong with more and more information um, in football. And certainly from a betting point of view, you know, the fact that uh, punters can be so much more informed with their choices. You know, data-driven betting is huge these days. And I think any sort of edge that you can get is absolutely fine. And I'm more than happy to sort of back that. But I think XG what difference does that really make? Like, What are we really getting from that? Like, if you didn't have XG, you know, when was it? Three seasons ago, like, if it just carried on, no one would be like, oh, do you know what we're missing? It's some subjective goal number. Like, we're just not. And I think people are saying, no, XG really is the future. Like, you'll get, you know how you see sometimes in the, I say papers, but, you know, like, on a BBC Sport match report, you'll get the score, the shots on goals, the corners. There's now sort of hinting that in the next five years, XG will be part and parcel of any sort of, Match report, be it in the papers, you know, it, it, as if you're sort of imbibing it on a daily basis and you think to oh yourself, God, like, is that where we're coming from? Like, is that. Yeah, be... no, no one
1: wants that. No, is
2: that going to no be. No one wants that. Is that going to be pub conversation? No, nah, is that going to be pub conversation, though? Oh, Fulham were then 1.23 XG against Birmingham. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but what does it really mean? Like, and it's not me being a, a sort of Luddite, you know, I sort of. I love, I love numbers and all that, but I just, I don't really see the purpose of it. So for me, it's going in the bin. So four from four. So well done, Colin. Good man. Right then, Kieran, what have you got for me? Can you get back onto a positive run of form?
0: Yes, yeah, so I've got the new offside rule. A um, bit of an obvious one, but it's just driving me crazy now. I'm a fan of VAR, and with offsides, VAR has been completely consistent. But it's just getting ridiculous now when it's an armpit offside or a shoelace offside or you have to draw seven or eight different lines um to see whose toes in front of another um it was introduced offside to stop goal hanging so an armpit you know you're not gaining an advantage and i'd i'd like to go back to the rule i mean it was a few rules back now in the offside terms and it was the daylight rule if there's daylight between them then it's offside
2: yeah, I mean, what advantage do you get from having your nose offside? I mean, really, is this where we're at now? And I think, fundamentally, obviously, VAR has sort of added to this problem because VAR can tell you if your nose is offside. Like, last season, it would have been onside. So there's so many goals that are being chopped off. You think, well, hang on, I know the the law is the law, but surely the law is an ass, Colin.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't argue with it at all. I don't like it. I I don't like VAR personally. It's it's, it's too anal the way it's done now, as you said, Dan, with VAR. I mean, look at that Sheffield United offside, right, recently. If that guy had smaller feet, he's onside.
2: I know. I mean, I was at that game, and just to have the wait of three and a half minutes, and everyone is just, like, clueless, and that then turns to frustration. Like, what is going on? Like, if it's a goal, then so be it. But, you know, obviously, we got out of jail on that um, occasion. But it's just, it's stupid. Like, how a goal should be decided within you know an extra four minutes it's just taken the life out of the game and a lot of people say you know that's it for me i've had enough like they need to i mean i don't want to turn this into a VAR episode because i've done so many of these but it's not right in its in its current guise you know the idea fundamentally is good like help referees make them sort of better allow them to make smarter decisions you know give them the assistance they need but surely kieran the implementation at the moment is awful absolutely Right, Okay. I can't argue that. I think we're all on the same page. And for that reason, offside rule. And I think let's just just chuck VAR in anyway, because we're all sick of it. As Colin said earlier, it's a bit of an obvious one, but why not? Sod it. It's going in the bin as well. So offside, slash VAR, that's kicked in the bin. It's three from four. So, Colin, can you have the perfect strike rate? Have you saved your best for last, like a Cristiano Ronaldo sort of, you know, I want to be the fifth taker, or is it your nervy fullback who's never taken a kick before? What have you got for me? No,
1: this is strong. My last choice is excessive use of mobile phones at football. Oh,
2: it's very strong. I can see it's already.
1: Right. I, I, I get that going to a Premier League game isn't a regular experience for a lot of people. Like, I get that. and I'm lucky that I've got a season ticket at Chelsea and I get to go. So I get that if you if you get a game and you go, and you might only go once a year, you want to take a picture, you want to take some video, that's fine. I understand that. But this current trend, or it's been going on a few years now, Of phones coming out at every corner, free kick or penalty, it's really starting to wear thin with me me now. Because you can't like enjoy it. Like like the the minute there's a a free kick or whatever, suddenly all these phones come up in the air. Everyone wants to like capture this moment that's going to be on TV anyway. Like once at Stamford Bridge, right? Uh, The guy stood next to me. It was during the Champions League group game, and he filmed the entire game on his iPad the entire game. It's on the telly, mate. You can go home and watch it.
2: Yeah, there's no need for that, is there? I mean, also, I guess that comes down to uh, like betting, in-play betting as well. People on a Saturday have done their ACA, you know, at two o'clock, and then they're more worried about how Ackerton are doing than actually what's going on in front of them. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, you know, oh, I've got three games more to come in and I can win £87. You're like, just, just live in the moment. I think football fans are just getting sucked into it, like you say, you know, just through devices. And it's like, you're looking at a pitch through your phone when you could just look Without your phone and actually get what you're paying for, Kieran. The short... Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. Like um... you can, see,
1: like you can see that penalty. Like someone's going to take a penalty. Watch the penalty. You don't need to capture that moment to then what put on your social media to say I was here and look, look what I saw because you didn't actually see it, mate. You were bloody filming it. You missed it. I mean, look. I'll tell you what, Dan. Once in yeah. Chelsea, I had a guy turn up in front of me with a go with a GoPro strapped to his head. <laughs>
2: No, no, no! I'm not having that. You can't, you can't have a GoPro. Like, if you want to, I don't know. It's, it's not a difficult one. I mean, if there are levels to this, phone, perhaps you know, maybe just before kickoff, get a bit of Atmos. Yeah, I love that. But when you're actually live recording, just snippets of the game, and it takes longer for you to get your phone back out, then record it, and you're missing action. You might have missed a, you know, a key chance or what have you. That's bad enough. But with a GoPro, I mean, come on! Like the, the game's gone if people turn up with GoPros on their heads. Kieran, surely you can't have a counter argument to this.
0: Well, I just think that I'm I, I'm not a fan of it, and I I think if I want to see the goal live, obviously I'll be watching it in the stadium anyway. But I could just type it in on YouTube an hour later and see how many you know copies of it. But um, I don't know; it's a tri- it's a tricky one because obviously it shouldn't be allowed. But clubs. They do so much advertisement and stuff to get tourists into the stadium. And obviously, Colin mentions the iPads. I've seen it at Fulham as well. You get so many Chinese and Japanese, all with their different sort of smart technology, filming everything, the whole game and stuff. But the clubs are happy to take the money, you know. So, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. But if we encourage it, how can we moan?
2: Well, this is it. Unfortunately, you know, this is Monday football. I don't want to get on the football tourism high horse, but I think clubs at our level, Fulham as well, you know, obviously being in a leafy, sort of rich district of London, that also has its own sort of football tourism element as well. But we are where we are. And like I say, when football clubs are actively encouraging this, you can't really um, bemoan the clubs or bemoan fans for doing it. However, it is a bugbear. It really pisses me off. Go and watch the game. I mean, if you'd have gone vloggers, that would have been quite an easy one. Do you know what I mean? You know, people sort of vlogging themselves, doing their own like filming themselves watching the game. That's bad enough. But when people are just watching a game through their phone when they could have just watched the game. And I know I can understand people want to capture moments, but just live in the moment. No, that should be the moment actually going to the game. So for that reason, Colin, you're absolutely right. Mobile phone recordings at football, go in the bin. So that's five and five points. Yes. Perf- so technically hey. technically you've won. We're not really sort of playing for any um progress or cup cup or anything like that. So you have bragging rights if nothing else. Kieran, it's just pride now. What have you got for me as your last pick?
0: Yeah, I've got designated singing sections in stadiums. Uh it's embarrassing. We should have a great atmosphere in every stadium. Um we don't need one little section cornered off, and anyone who wants to sing should have to buy a ticket to go in that section. I think it's embarrassing, and I know I think Celtic and a few other clubs have uh, a few other clubs in England have tried it, and it. it, yeah, just Man
1: doesn't... it, yeah, it yeah, Man United tried it. Yeah, was it Man United?
0: Yeah, but how, how can Man United seventy six thousand fans, for example, go there? How can you have a um, designated singing section? That's embarrassing, Colin.
2: Colin, anything yeah, but it's that what
1: you just that about Yeah, but well, you just said about tourists and that with the cameras and they encourage it, so I don't know what you're expecting. Well, this is
2: it. This well, is I
0: know, but they, but they can have a singer as well, can't they? All right, then I'll I, I put this to you. I think any club who has a um, designated singing section should start on a points deduction. They should start on say, <laughs> my. Right? I'm not talking like Bolton or Berry kind of levels of points. I'm talking five points, effectively two games. <laughs> right? You you have to start on minus five points if you want a designated singing section. But and, and I tell, and I think that's fair as well because the grounds where fans don't sing, for example, Arsenal, Chelsea, except for the Matthew Harding lower, um, Manchester City, Manchester United. It's all the big clubs anyway, all the real football clubs. Right?
1: They've got dire
0: fans who turn up week in no. and week out.
1: leave off. I've been right? to Craven Cottage. I've been to the Craven Cottage, mate. No, and no, a and
0: time. they have a right sing song. Come on. Look, um, Dan, you're a Tottenham fan. Now, White Hart Lane was an amazing atmosphere. Now, you can't tell me the atmosphere in this new ground is as good as White Hart Lane. It's non-existent,
2: honestly. It's been a real issue at the moment. And I think, there we go. Um, I mean, there's no... Desi- well, I say designated section we've built this south stand it's meant to be like the the Dortmund black and yellow wall you can hear a pin drop so this is a real problem we've got um I don't think we're going as far as you know you know that block's going to be the singing block but you know we've built a stand that's meant to have 25,000 fans up and on their feet every week the problem we've got though and this ties into perhaps football tourism and you know such and people taking their seats is that we've got a mixture of fans who want to make the noise and you've got other fans who are in that more tourism bracket or just there for the day out who don't want the noise and they're telling people to sit down. So when you've got the two elements clashing, you get no atmosphere and it's obviously the stadium is lovely, but that's been a real backward step this season. So, um, yes, it is an issue, but I will counter this for you, Kieran, do Fulham still have their mutual end where you can just, you know, anyone can sit where they want. Like surely that's not no. good for football. Is that not a thing anymore? Cause that was a thing, that's, wasn't
0: it? Now that, that, that was a thing. Um, and then basically, because the Riverside is now being redeveloped, we would knocked the stand down. We've only got the free stand, so the the end is now accommodating uh, most of home fans who are in the Riverside. So you've got sort of two blocks for away fans, and then it's Fulham fans.
2: Right,
1: about- but isn't uh, like couldn't we like really sort this problem out? Because it is a problem. And Kieran, you said, "Oh, Chelsea only the Mafia are doing which is a bit like you know you're flippant, but. I get your point. But in the mafia in Lower, we stand, we don't sit. So could standing be the issue here? Who wants to sing if they're sat down?
2: Well, this is it. Again, you know, well, that's the, it. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's clubs that are looking to trial safe standing. Tottenham, again, they've got the rails ready if it's ever allowed from a government level. So that's probably... Oh, is that
1: right? I didn't know that. Have they, have they got the rails seating in?
2: Yeah, it's, the rails are all set up. They're in the South Stand as well. So if we ever get the green light as a English football, um, that's ready to go. I know West Brom wanted to try it. Celtic have done it themselves and I think that's I say issue, but I think that's obviously part of what would make it better. I think, you know, when you're actually up and about, you'd be much more sort of in a better mood to sort of sing and I think that's probably where we're sort of going really. So, I think I've I done a difficult one. Like, if you didn't have designated singing sections in grounds, like, where would the atmosphere come from? So, let's try and not...
0: Well, sus- people, get- would still, people would still sing...
2: Yeah, but then would it be too dispersed and then you wouldn't really get an atmosphere? Like our club's trying to be a little bit more forward-thinking by saying, look, you know, we know our atmosphere isn't great, but at least if we get a, a group of people who want to sing, let's put them together, and then at least there is some atmosphere. Is that not kind of the angle they're going for?
0: Well, I guess so. But Say, for example, at Fulham, I've always been in the Hammersmith end in a, you know, a certain block, and if someone told me, right, you've got to go to the Johnny Haynes stand, Section B or whatever, um, that's the designated singing song uh, section. I say no, I'll stay here and sing. Then, you know, you're going to end up with some idiot next to you saying, "Oh, you're singing too loud. If you want to sing, you should be over there." No, pal. No, I, I, don't, don't, I don't
1: think anyone. I don't think anyone moans about singing. In my experience, when you sing, when you're in the moment and you're, you know, you're 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 excited and you're driving your club on, you generally tend to stand like it's a natural sort of response. And that's I what agree. causes the problem in terms of like people around you saying, Can you sit down?
0: Yeah. Before it. before you before you know it, you got a twenty year old steward telling you to sit down.
2: <laughs> it's all interlinked now, isn't it? But I mean yeah. if you look at Palace, you know, their homes no ultras. They were told to go to a certain block and they didn't like the fact they had to move and they just they didn't go, did they? They boycotted. I know they're coming back in, but you know, did Palace shoot himself in the foot? Because then they lost their, you know, the good atmosphere that they've got at Selhurst Park. So, you know, do... Yeah, closely. absolutely. Do
1: they, t- they made they made a big mistake there, Dan. Yes. Absolutely. Because those fans, like, they're the loudest fans when they go away. You know, they'll, they'll dominate. They, they dominate Stamford Bridge, which is not about, you know, that's not an easy feat. And I'm sure they do it at uh, many grounds. So, to, to like, they're the fans that they want to keep happy.
2: Well, yes, precisely, because otherwise, you know, it's sort of, I guess, a negative connotation for the club then, and it's all, obviously, you get the feeling that the players feed off that atmosphere, and it's no coincidence that Palace do have that extra sort of lift when they are making lots and lots of noise, especially away from home. It's a difficult one, it's a real quandary, because I don't really like the concept of designated season, sorry, designated singing areas, you think, well, what is the point? But I think it opens up a wider issue. So it's sort of like, do we put it in, or do we try and sort of fix the issue by sort of pushing for safe standing and allowing atmosphere to build that way is that i'm, I'm sorry
0: well, it's tricky isn't it because uh i, I don't know i don't know i'm I mean, obviously i'll go with your ruling but i think if if we had say for example um designated seating areas then uh sorry singing areas then we should you know for example have designated tourist sections so that the people with the cameras and the ipads and everything aren't annoying us as well. Do you see what I mean?
2: Yeah, but then I guess then it becomes too much split apart really and it goes against trying to sort of homogenise football fans into sort of one collective. So I think for that reason, I think that sort of opened my eyes. I think, yes, let's kick that in the bin because you don't want your fan base being fragmented into sort of certain chunks going, you should sit there, you should sit there. You know, everyone should be on the same page and if it means, you know, everyone having to sort of deal with, uh, well, please stand up or sit down you know everyone should try and be in the moment together and that means put your phone away etc etc so yes for that reason let's put designated singing sections let's put them in the bin they're kicked in the bin so 4 from 5 so woohoo not, I mean collectively you've done really really well I think that's probably the best uh, duo has done 9 from 10 I mean I'm not just agreeing for you and stuff for the sake of it I think you actually are sort of pretty much on par with my football beliefs and all that so yeah I think you've done really well as a, uh, as a duo so pat on the back for both of you. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. I think that's pretty much it, really. I think we sort of... that no, it's really good. We've put the, uh, the world to rights and put some things in the bin. So, um, so yeah, thanks for your time this evening, chaps. First up, Colin, I hope you enjoyed Pleasure.
1: that. Yeah, I had a lovely time. Can I just check? I I, I won that, didn't I? So, Kieran, yes. I think I, I won that, Kieran, in case you hadn't seen it or whatever.
2: Yes, unfortunately, yeah, yes. honestly, you can have it. You can
1: have it, <laughs> he, he, he won't talk to me for a week now. Ah,
2: sorry about that. I've, I've created a rift between the uh, the half-and-half-scarfed team. But, uh, Kieran, commiserations. Not at all. Commiserations, mate. I'm so, sorry there has to be a loser, but um, I think it was the stewards that did you, really, wasn't it?
0: No worries, no worries. And any football clubs out there, if you want me to send a few ultras down to please yeah, just get in touch.
2: Right, OK, you heard it here first. So with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy... This is The Real Footballcast in association with Loser Paul. And until next time, goodbye.